think during that time, I realized how much I hated working a nine to five. Mm. I mean, I hated it. I mean, I, it hit me one day that I, I go into my boss and I was making at the time, like 35,000, like barely enough to pay my bills. And, uh, I go to my boss. I'm like, Hey, give me the route to like making money. Cause I obviously got like, you work to make money. And he's like, in two years, maybe you can make 60. And then in five years, maybe you can make like 75. And I was like, I looked at him and I remember calling my dad. I was like, this ain't it. Like, this is not it. I gotta, I gotta figure out a way to make my own money. Um, and, but, but from that, that, that conversation, I really realized if I don't start my own thing, this is going to be my path. And welcome to the One Shot Podcast. Uh, so if you're watching on YouTube, you're like, man, who are those fine-looking dudes <laughs> in those T-shirts? Sexy might be a word that comes to mind. Sexy. Silky. Irresistible. That's uh, me. That's all me. They, they're not looking at YouTube. And then, and, and then, ben, and and then ben and Tyler are joining <laughs> that person. <laughs> but uh, if you if you are watching, I highly recommend you go watch as well. Uh, you get the full experience. But you'll notice that we all have something in common. We are wearing buttery smooth t-shirts today. Yeah, they are. That are created by the man, the myth, and the legend that we have on today. So, Ben, talk us through... Uh, Talk us through today's guest. Yeah, I think if you've spent any time online the last few years, you recognize <laughs> this brand. The brand is Cuts Clothing. They are everywhere, all over the internet. Your favorite athlete probably wears them. Yeah. And we get the, like Tyler said, we get the privilege today to talk to the CEO and founder, Stephen Borelli. Stephen, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. I, uh, I was stoked to jump on with you guys, meet you, and uh, connect. And uh, I love sharing our story and ready to rock. Yeah, awesome. man. Yeah, and, and that's what we want to talk about, you know, because, again, we, we – we sh- we share this message a lot. You, you see the finished product, and, and I know you guys aren't finished, but you see where you guys are today, and you just assume, well, it just happened. Maybe they had a lot of money given to them. You, who really knows what they went through? And that's what we want to discover is, is the story of Cuts Clothing, but more specifically the story of Stephen Borelli and, and your past and your background. Mm-hmm. We always love to go back to the beginning. We want to know where you come from, what city you lived in, what family life was like. So take us back to the beginning. Start us from the, from the top. Yeah. So I was, uh, born uh, in Seattle. Um, and my mom and dad were two New Yorkers and, um, uh, my mom's Cuban, my dad's Italian, both immigrants. And, uh, they wanted to get out of New York city in the, in the late eighties, early nineties. So my, uh, uncle actually was playing baseball for the Mariners, uh, Dave Valley. He was a backup uh, catcher for the Mariners and my mom and dad came with him to Seattle and then uh, my dad got a job selling produce, apples in Wenatchee, Washington. So when I was about four years old, we moved to uh, Wenatchee, Washington. And if you guys are familiar with the Pacific Northwest, Wenatchee is a tiny little town. I mean, it's 30,000 people, about two hours uh, east of Seattle. And uh, I you know, was one of those kids that just was a sports enthusiast. I played basketball, baseball, uh, football, anything in soccer that I could get my hands on. Uh, when I got to high school was more into um, mainly just uh, basketball and football. And I wanted to play basketball in college, but then I didn't grow past six foot and quickly realized I wasn't going to, I only had uh, junior college offers. So then I decided, all right, 
no more uh, sports. I'm going to go to uh, like a party school more or less and went to San Diego state Boom. and wanted to get out of uh, Washington. So I went yeah. to San Diego state and uh, that, that's kind of where I kind of started my uh, professional so, journey and, and got involved with cuts. So Steven, Wenatchee is like notoriously an outdoors town. There's so much mm-hmm. to do. You got the river there, you got mountains. I mean, there's so much outdoor. Were you, were you attracted to the outdoors or was it very much like, okay, hey, I'm, I'm school sports, I'm traditional sports, and that that's my passion. All my brothers and sisters were into outdoor stuff, but uh, I was just, I just love sports. I always, uh, you know, ha- having my uncle play baseball, I wanted to be a baseball player for a while. Um, my dad was a huge Yankee fan, so watching Jeter and all those guys, and I just fell in love with, the, uh, you know, that just sports in general. Um, my, my twin sister was also really good with, was good in sports. So we were very competitive with, with each other. Um, and so that, that kind of drove us. We were the two little uh, twins that just love playing sports and uh, sports is really kind of what I, I fell in love with as a kid. So I have twins, I have boy, girl twins as well. So talk us through that, like your, your sibling dynamic, you know, maybe, maybe start with if you have other siblings, but I, I want to spend a little bit of time on this twin yeah. relationship. Yeah. I mean, I always say tw- she, my twin sister was like my greatest inspiration in a lot of ways, because if she got good grades, I had to get good grades. If she, uh, you know, she was always a little better than me in sports and it always drove me nuts because the girls teams were a little bit easier to like hit the varsity squad earlier. And, you know, I was playing. Uh, someone's making some excuses. <laughs> Don't start the excuses, Steven. <laughs> I know. I know. It, it was an excuse. It was an excuse, but, uh, it, it did motivate me to be like, damn, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta make the varsity squad as a mm. sophomore and stuff like that. And so, and she was always a stud. She was like the best of the best in her class. And I was probably a middle ground, uh, athlete. And so we, we did push each other a lot. And, um, being a twin was great though. Even I like, I, th- I think I like it even more later in life because uh, it's less competitive, but you have someone that you've gone through everything with yeah. and you have a lot to relate and, you know, her, her kids and stuff like that. So it's, it's been, it's been fun kind of maturing. I guess as a kid though, it's not always fun because you're com- you feel like your parents are always comparing you and everything. And so uh, it definitely made me who I am today. No, it's true because literally it's when we identify, we've got four, we've got the bigs and then we've got the twins. Like the twins are always kind of identified together yeah. and that's, mm-hmm. and that's who they are. But then, I mean, then you got to share birthdays. I mean, oh, yeah. you kind of have to share yeah. friends early on, especially yeah. until you really kind of establish your own, your own path. I used to hate on my birthday. I was like, I want to hit McDonald's, not whatever it else or what you wanted to do. So I, was, I always wanted to pick my own restaurant and that was always bothered me as a kid, but oh, no, man. Talk, yeah. talk to us about your parents and how they raised you guys and, and, and the, what, what was home life? Like what, what message were they delivering? You, you said they were immigrants. What, what was that like growing up with, with your parents there? Yeah, my uh, my mom and dad had uh, us when they were really little. They were done having kids at 28. So, uh, you know, my uh, my mom and her family came over from Cuba, and they didn't know English as uh, English was their second language. And you know, they were really wealthy in Cuba, but then when they came to the United States, uh, they lost everything, just like a lot of the Cubans at the time. And then her dad ended up getting a job at Seven Eleven, and so. Uh, since 16, she's always had to work because her family didn't have a lot of money. And so for us, you know, my parents, uh, you know, I grew up middle-class, you know, we lived in Wenatchee, which was a a smaller town and, uh, I always had, you know, new baseball bats and things like that, but it wasn't like money was, uh, crazy. Uh, but they, you know, they always taught me to work hard. They wanted me to get an education. My dad 
was a small business owner. So he started selling apples, the produce, and it's crazy. Uh, apples is a, is, is a lot like shirts. There's production lines, there's uh, inventory management, there's it's replenishment business similar to t-shirts. And so I did learn a lot about uh, building a small business with him. Uh, his, he, he owns a company called West Coast Apple Sales, and it's uh, it's a small business. And uh, but I, I got to see him just grind it out for so many years. Mm-hmm. You know, he did the same thing every day. And uh, he, they just uh, said, "Hey, if you're going to do sports, you better work hard. You better be the first one in. You better be the last one out. Um, if you're going to do school, you know, try to get good grades. Even though I had I was dyslexic, so I was, class schools wasn't." Uh-huh. It wasn't very good for me, but uh, they, they, they installed really good values of just working hard and, um, you know, uh, being present and, and making sure if I was going to do something, I was going to do it all the way. Yeah, I think, I mean, one thing that you hear a lot of is is the perspective that immigrants have versus, you know, families that have been in, in the United States for a long time. So did you notice that mm-hmm. that your parents, because again, like you said, your mom's family had money in Cuba, but they risked all of that to be in America for some reason. Right. So would you say their perspective was different and appreciation just for, for the, the freedoms that you have in the United States? Yeah, most definitely. They, uh, uh, they were really wealthy. And then they knew that day when they were leaving Cuba, that they would never go back. And they actually didn't let them in the household speak Spanish because they were like, you're an American now you're going to only speak English. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, a lot of, they, you know, they really, uh, are love America and, and, and respect all the freedoms that they, they've, they, they have gotten. And they definitely instilled that in, in me. I obviously didn't experience nearly what she did of leaving Cuba and all that, but, uh, uh, they're definitely very, very, um, uh, appreciative of all mm-hmm. the stuff of, of America has been able to give them. So well, let's go back to your father. You said your father came in, he came to America and he went to, he worked at seven 11, right? Oh no, that was my mom's uh, dad. Oh, your mom's okay, dad. Okay, so is there has there been an entrepreneurial spirit that's that's been in your family since day one? Yeah, absolutely. My my dad uh, when he when he moved to Seattle, he ended up getting a job and opened up his own business selling apples. Mm. Um, and he always just you know he was always my coach in little league, and he was always there for all my. Uh, for all my sporting events or graduations and things like that. And all, we always had uh, food on the table. And what I think I, I saw from afar, and I didn't realize it at the time, was being an entrepreneur, you could uh, you could demand your own schedule in a way. You didn't have a boss, and you're always in control of your time. And I think that's what I always wanted. I didn't want to be in a nine-to-five where I couldn't coach my kids uh, basketball or um, you know be there for a graduation. So ha- being able to see him... Um, you know, live that life. And, you know, he worked tons of late nights where he wasn't around, but the things that mattered, he was always able to be there. And I think that's what about entrepreneurship that I really appreciated um, and got to see at a young age. Yeah. So you said that as a young age, what, how old were you when you started to see the flexibility that your dad had in his schedule? I, I think I realized it when probably like eight to 10, when and a lot had to do with sports, when he was always there for my games and other dads couldn't get there till 6 p.m. And we might have a 3 p.m. game. And right. he was always able to, to kind of be there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when I started to realize. And he was good about kind of sprinkling it in. Hey, you know, if you start your own business, this is what you can do. And it, mm-hmm. it's not like we were really wealthy, but the time aspect that entrepreneurship uh, was able to give him was a, a huge thing that I realized at an early age. So, so when you thought about your future and you dreamed about your goals and your plans and your things that you wanted to do, other than sports, 
Was it entrepreneurship? Was it, I want to do my own thing one day in business? Was, was that what you dreamed about? Yeah, I always knew I was going to do something. I get the question all the time. Hey, do you, would you have seen cuts being so successful? Is this what you always dreamed of? And a lot of people say, oh, I couldn't have ever imagined that. But for me, I, I didn't know it would be cuts, but I knew it would be my own thing eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just being able to work for myself is something that, like, I don't think I can breathe if I'm working for someone else. It just doesn't work that way. And uh, that's why school is oftentimes hard because I'll get these class, thing, these big projects. I'd be like, this is bullshit. I don't want to do this. Yeah. Or in college, I realized half the shit we would go through was just a waste of time. And, you know, I you know was always finagling my way to not do my homework and paying people to do it and stuff. And just kind of thinking like a smarter businessman in school. And, um, I think, you know, all those little things were kind of signs that I was ready. So let me, let me make sure I'm hearing you correctly. Steven, are you saying that what we learned in college, what we paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for doesn't directly relate to what we're doing after college in our career? I, the classwork, almost nothing. It was all like the <laughs> people skills that you learn. Yeah, it was a heavy, heavy dose of sarcasm on that because uh, I'm with you because it's like. No, totally. Schools, college nowadays, like I don't have kids yet, but yeah. I, I probably would recommend against it. Um, yeah. But I, I, I do think the aspect of going to football games and meeting people your age is so valuable too. So I was going to so, say, would you trade living in San Diego? Going to San Diego no. State. <laughs> you, no. you, you, San Diego State. I mean, I didn't even know what hot girls were at the time. I showed up at hot San Diego State. I was like, oh, you know what? He's from Wenatchee. He's not. He's not lying, guys. He's from Wenatchee. <laughs> you, you said something. Yeah, Wenatchee. In- my 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 uh, spectrum got way tilted. <laughs> the scale. Wait, wait. There's a bunch of seventeens walking around here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you said something a second ago that I'm really glad that you said because I hear I listen to a lot of these interviews. These guys make fun of me all the time for for how much how many podcasts and things that I consume. And 98% of the time people say, yeah, I had no idea this was going to happen to me one day. I, I didn't, I just never even saw this coming. And I'm glad that you said, no, I dreamed about this. This is what I've now again, maybe the details, some of the finer details you didn't know, but you had, you had these plans. You were, you were dreaming about this. You were planning for this. And that's really refreshing to hear somebody say that because that's how I'm wired. I'm wired to plan things out. I'm wired to strive for things. And it's really, it's sometimes discouraging hearing all these people. Yeah, I just, I just found success. Didn't really know it was coming. Just kind of happened for me. So it was really cool to hear you say that, no, I, I dreamed about this. This is what I was planning to do. Yeah, I appreciate it. Darren, I mean, it's kind of like uh, with you on the Cowboys. I mean, you, you, were, you knew you were going to be a stud when you came into league, right? Uh, you know what? That's a good conversation. Yeah, because you know, I was look, man. I, I, honestly, Stephen, I was very arrogant coming in to, to to the NFL, thinking that you know I was the best player, and I and I felt like that. And I had a, a kind of the attitude of being the best guy all the way from high school through college, and then coming to the NFL. Now, there were some moments early on where my my confidence was shaken. Like, holy shit, they can run. <laughs> These guys are a little different, but. I always felt had this confidence in self to know that I could play that game. Now, I was, it was different as I've transitioned out of the NFL into the real world. Now, the confidence is not the same. I'm, I've been shaken by the confidence, and, and I've wavered based on the fact that I, I don't know what I don't know. And I think mm-hmm. that comes to where I am in, in this conversation with you is you kind of knew, like as Ben said, you kind of knew that you wanted to do this. But was, it, was there a passion for apparel? Or where was the passion? 
Yeah, that, that's a great question. I uh, It definitely wasn't in apparel, it was in business. Uh, people say, oh, Steven, you're the fashion guy. And I'm always like, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm the business guy. T-shirts were just merely the vehicle in which I can exercise my business uh, uh, passion, so to speak. Um, in When I graduated in 2013, e-com was like a hot thing. And a couple of my buddies were getting jobs, e-com businesses, and I... I got a job at a branding agency called Lambesis in San Diego. And uh, I ran Facebook ads for like Dasani water to court to Corey jewelry. And I was the youngest guy there. And, and they were like, Hey, Steven, you, you do, you do social for these brands. And so I got to spend their money. And then after a year or two doing it, I was like, this is, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. I had the perspective that I could do it. And I had the budgets and the practice through the bigger companies. I just needed to find a product that I thought, you know, you know, there was a little white space in the market. So when you took this job, did you take it thinking, Hey, this is real education. This is real life application of some of the things that like, I'm going to be able to use when I create something, or was it like, I'm just trying to kind of figure it out still. Or did you go into it with that mindset? Because what I feel like a lot of people get into like, Hey, the idea of entrepreneurship is super sexy. And I see all these, you know, people on social media and I see these people on the news and yeah, entrepreneurship is cool, but then like they get into a nine to five and then they're just like, eh, okay. Paycheck's good. But like they don't actually, or they don't know why they're there and they're not growing when they're there because the mindset is not, all right, I'm, I'm here, but I'm here to learn and I'm here to grow in my expertise so that I can then apply it to what I really and, and designed to do. Yeah. I had no clue really what I wanted to do when I uh, graduated school. I knew I wanted to start my own business, but it, it actually kept me up at night that I couldn't, I didn't know exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I remember on, on Saturdays, I'd wake up and go to a coffee shop and like listen to music, write in my journal and be like, shit, I have no clue what I, I, I want to do. And then, um, I took this job as just more of a necessity because my parents were cutting me off and it had a good name on it. And it was a marketing agency and they recruited out of San Diego state. Um, but I think during that time, I realized how much I hated working a nine to five. Mm. I mean, I hated it. I mean, I, it hit me one day that I, I go into my boss and I was making at the time, like 35,000, like barely enough to pay my bills. And, uh, I go to my boss and like, Hey, give me the route to like making money. Cause I obviously got like, you work to make money. And he's like, in two years, maybe you can make 60. And then in five years, maybe you can make like 75. And I was like, I looked at him and I remember calling my dad. I was like, this ain't it. Like, this is not it. I got, I got to figure out a way to make my own money. Um, and, but, but from that, that, that conversation, I really realized if I don't start my own thing, this is going to be my path. Like, it's going to take me five years to make a hundred K. And, and then I knew that even wasn't even like the, the type of money that I was really going to need to be happy. And so I, I kind of was able to look forward uh, and realize like what I don't want to do. And then that kind of, kind of made me start thinking, okay, yeah, I yeah. really need to start thinking of something. Yeah. yeah. Like, like 50 grand in San Diego <laughs> is like sharing an apartment with three other dudes <laughs> yeah. and a hundred grand is just renting your own apartment. Yeah. So, yeah. so you started, you started cuts clothing in 2016, correct? Yep. Okay. So you graduate 2013, you take this job, you don't start cuts until, so there's a three year window there that you're doing this job that you don't really love. And you know, there's more out there for you. Talk to us how you got through those three years. I mean, I know there's a certain element of you just got to get it done, but what were you telling yourself during those three years? How did you get yourself through that period where you knew there was more for you and you were just waiting to make it happen? I'm glad you asked that question because a lot of people don't know what they want to do. They're similar to me. They just know what they, uh, 
don't want to do. And I think just being really vulnerable in that period of just asking questions. Okay. What do you do? Um, tell me a little bit about what, uh, 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 why you like your job or you don't like your job. And I was reaching out to, uh, lots of different people trying to gain perspective of like, what could I physically do with my two hands? Uh, at first I was like, maybe I'll create an app. But then I was like, I'm not a developer and I'm not good with math. So creating an app's out. And then I slowly kind of started checking the boxes with my skill set. What can I do that I can be my own boss one day? And then it was, uh, um, one of my buddies was creating a watch company, um, and he started a Kickstarter campaign and that kind of inspired me like, okay, maybe I can do e-com and, and sell something. And, and then from there, I was like, all right, I know the business model that I want to do, but then it took me a few years to figure out that it was going to be shirts. Um, and, uh, that, that, you know, just, just getting really curious, I think really helped me those last three years. Yeah. yeah. Hey, so, so going back, what, you know, there was at some point you knew what your power, your superpower was, right? There's something that you are damn good at. Like Tyler, Tyler was really good at just running through a hole and hitting someone with his freaking helmet, right? That's it. He just headbutted people for fucking 14 years, whatever it was, right? But for you, what was your superpower back then? What was it that you knew you were damn good at? I think for me was uh, the ability to just have a uh, blind faith in a way about something about understanding where value could be. So, uh, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, they get into, um, you know, an idea, but they don't, under, they can't see value of understanding how to create value. And from the very beginning of, of, of been able to understand where to maximize value in terms of an idea or, or advertising spend or my time. And I just needed to, and I, I learned this when I was working at Lambesis, they were like, Hey, Steven run Facebook ads. And they gave me a small budget, but I was the most, uh, efficient because I knew how to spend money efficiently and I understand how to get value out of the things that I was mm -hmm. doing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that really gave me the confidence like, okay, you know, I can start my own, uh, business with, you know, no money and, and cuts, you know, to this day, we haven't raised any money. It's been completely bootstrapped. Uh -huh. We'll be close to, uh, you know, a little short of a hundred mil soon. And so, uh, wow. you know, all, all bootstrapped from just, just understanding how to spend money appropriately. That's insane. Oh, All right, do you have four hours to explain this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah give us the exact game plan that yeah. you used. <laughs> no, but what, okay, so you said your buddy started on Kickstarter with, with watches. So I guess two questions. Number one, what is Kickstarter? And number two, why shirts? What, what drew you come about t-shirts? Come on, ben. These Seriously? guys, I'm business illiterate. <laughs> they, they know more about business than I do. So for the dumb people out there listening, what is Kickstarter? And, and again, why t-shirts? What, what, what drew you to that? Kickstarter is a platform where you essentially get your friends and your friends of friends to buy an idea before the idea is made. And so, uh, you know, we didn't rate, we raised 40,000 in our first month, which oh. I thought was a lot of money, but it really in reality costs 200 K to start. Um, <laughs> so, but that Kickstarter is just something, just a kind of an idea platform launch t-shirts came from, you know, and it's funny, we, I'm glad you guys asked about my dad. My dad, the secret to his success was it was really hard to sell apples. But once you got a client, like you got a grocery store, every month they would come back. So my idea behind shirts was that what's an item in that one I'm passionate about that, you know, I feel like I can understand what's cool and not cool, um, but also has a high replenishment. So you can sell one item, but then that person will come back month over month to continue to buy that same item. And then when I saw t-shirts, even though there's a million t-shirts out there, uh, I realized, you know, there's this white space for one selling it online and two selling the more 
the casual shirt, but elevated enough where you could wear it to work. Yeah. And when I kind of, when it clicked, um, it was actually, a, you know, I was working at that job and my boss kicks out of a meeting and he said, Hey, you, you know, you can't wear that Lululemon shirt. Uh, it's not professional enough. Go, you know, go to the, uh, store and buy a new shirt at that moment. I was like, just because it has that Lululemon logo, it's not appropriate to be in this board meeting, but he's wearing a professional shirt. Um, you know, but everyone, the casualization of the workforce was like just barely starting. And then with COVID obviously four years later, it just, everyone now lawyers, uh, business people, everyone wears t-shirts. So cuts was able to barely see that white space before everyone else. Um, in the market. I literally, so I literally have a meeting, uh, in two days, uh, out of state presenting to a board and the dress is California casual. I'm like, okay, what's the attire? It's like a big presentation. Huh. It's California casual is the, is the board meeting attire. And so I'm you like, can wear the shirt. shirt. This you, wear the shirt. you better believe it. Come on. We're going to take a quick break and thank our partners sleep number and highlight a couple of things they're doing. Guys, these sleep number beds are unreal. The technology that they've created, the feedback that it gives you on your sleep. I've got the app opened up right here. They tell you things like your heart rate, your heart rate variability, your breathing rate, all these type uh, metrics and feedback to give you so that you can improve your quality of sleep. They're all over the place. You can go and check yourself out a sleep number store wherever you live. Go to sleepnumber.com as well. They've got great resources on there. We just talked about this not too long ago. They have a whole blog section, all these articles, things that you can improve your health. Sleep number is definitely changing the game when it comes to betting. So get yourself to sleep number, get yourself to sleepnumber.com and check them out. Now back to the episode. All right. So, so, you know, understanding and it's like it's not subscription but essentially it is right you want the repeat business right because well first of all if you're looking at it from a business perspective from a valuation standpoint like that's what you want right is you want repeated revenue uh but but as as you decided okay hey what is it okay t-shirts like something creating i feel like there's a niche in it and, and you're right like i think you hit it at the perfect time right and since then mm-hmm. and then but then also coupling with what cuts is amazing at right, is the marketing aspect of it, using social media effectively and has has obviously grown you to almost 100 million in revenue. And so, but the other thing that if, until you actually feel it, is you're differentiated too because it's just a different quality shirt. How did you get to that point too? Because yeah, I can sling shirts, but if they're not, if they're not putting it on and thinking, oh my gosh, this is the most comfortable shirt I've ever put on, like, they're not going to come, come back. back. Yeah. So you've got to obviously yeah. create a, a quality product, which you have, but how did you get to that quality product? It, w- it was a lot of trial and error. Um, we, I had no clue what I was doing. I would go back and forth to China with Sean and it was, you know, there was definitely luck involved. We went to one trip to China and we were like, all right, we, we had this idea um, off of like baby's clothes that we were like, baby's clothes are so soft and it's stretchy and it doesn't wrinkle. How do we create that with the right, uh, fabric and uh, the right materials. We were like, we need to go to the fabric mills. And, but the U.S., no one wanted to talk to us because we were just two kids with no experience. So we would go out there, we were running around, and we went to some places in China that were like straight sweatshops that I wouldn't recommend. <laughs> uh, but I randomly got a, I was randomly, pl- randomly playing basketball in LA, and this kid goes, Hey, my dad has a factory out in China, and he'll, whatever you need to make, he'll make it cheaper than uh, anyone else can find. I'm like, All right, man. Just let me play basketball. You know, he was talking such a big game. We go out to China um, and we're having a hard time, you know, 
out there and really getting nowhere. So I call him and I was like, Hey, uh, you know, tell me where to go. I'll, I'll go check it out. He sends a, a translator with a car and he's like, it's a seven hour drive from where you are in China. <laughs> and we're like, the guy picks us up, doesn't know a lick of English. And we just get in this guy's car. And it was like a long car ride. We stop. I mean, in the middle of nowhere. And in China, you have, you have no clue where you are because of the signs. It's just like, it's a foreign, it look, feels like you're on Mars. Um, then we get to this like one little area and it felt like a little slice of heaven. It was like rural China with nice homes and like a small town. You could see like, it was, it was somewhere like pleasant to live. We go to this guy's uh, office and it's the only building in town and it's this beautiful building. And we go to the fabric mill and he's, he's like, all right, come to my fabric mill tomorrow. We go there and he's like, all right. And we're just testing. Uh, we're putting polyester. We're putting lycra. We're putting all these different blends in. We're adjusting the thickness. And we just had like a live workshop in the U S they wouldn't charge you thousands and thousands of dollars to do this. But for us, we got to like essentially like cook our t-shirt into mm-hmm. existence cool. out of thin air with, with on his dime, just cause he believed in us and he believed in the, in the, in the story. And so uh, that's kind of how we, we found the, found the fabric blend. So are you still with him? Is he still currently? Yeah. I mean, he's really our secret sauce because we, uh, we have great margins because of him. Oh, he's essentially funded our business because he'll give us net 120 day terms. And because yeah. we sell everything wow. profitable on the first order, we can order as much inventory as long as we can sell it. Oh. And because we're good at real selling, it just became this like incredible flywheel for us. You said he believed in the story. What was the story at that time? Two kids out in China that were just willing to go for it. Like he could see it in our eyes. Um, I know that sounds kind of like not, not the coolest, but he, you know, we, we told him, Hey, we're, we're out here, uh, for the real deal. And I think he just could see in our faces that we were desperate. Like we couldn't leave China without a, a source. And, uh, I, I think he could, he, he saw that desperation almost in our faces. So did you have a when you were guys were there and you were going through that process of trying to figure out what to put on in, in that t-shirt, right? Did, was it, was there any time or any moment you were thinking, well, I know exactly who, what type of demographics or who is going to buy these shirts, whether it be athletes, professionals. Did you have a, were you catering to a certain demographic? Definitely. And uh, that's really the secret to Cuts. A lot of people come out and say, hey, we're an athletic brand or, hey, we're athleisure. Cuts is we operate uh, for those in the sport of business, guys like me and you moving uh, from one meeting to the next that needs something that's not going to wrinkle, but, but is going to be uh, professional and make you feel good. And uh, you know, all of the guys that we hired on our team are, are you know, high, at least played high school sports and have that competitive drive. Mm-hmm. So from the get go, it was very true to us of, you know, we're for the athlete in the nine to five or mm-hmm. the athlete in business and, you know, definitely guys in shape, definitely people who cared about their appearance and people who like wanted to get after it and, you know, make something of themselves. So, so you, you formulated, as you said, you cooked the perfect shirt. Where do you go from that point? So you got this great product, but you're in the middle of nowhere, China. How do you go from there to a hundred million in revenue? Like where, where, what was the next step after that? After that, uh, you know, we, we got on uh, Shopify and then Facebook ads and, you know, cuts, we didn't really have a, like a aha moment. Like a lot of brands where we went from zero to, you know, 10 million in sales overnight. It was kind of just the daily grind of, and the discipline of spending money efficiently. Um, you know, during that time, people were, businesses were getting funded with, you know, if you had a, a, a power, a PowerPoint presentation, someone would give you 20 million yeah. as an idea, mm-hmm. but being in Wenatchee, that was all foreign. We were like, 
hey, like we, we got to make money from day, from day one on every order. Um, and really that became our secret sauce where because we didn't have money, we had to find how to spend it much more efficiently than everyone else. Mm-hmm. And over time, like we just had such an advantage on digital marketing, like no one can touch us. Like uh, we get we know how to spend money just better. I, I wish there was a better answer, but we're just oh, like 10 times better than the next company. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, because I, I would argue as much as a, of a clothing company as you are, you are also a marketing company. I totally. Mean, because again, what y'all have done, and then I want to hear about what you guys have done this last year, because you took that marketing and branding to a whole nother level this, this last year. Wow. But um, so, so you come back and then you start selling it. When was the move to L.A.? When did you say, okay, hey, we've got to leave Washington if we're going to able if we're going to be able to scale, if we're going to be able to do these things that that we're going to do? What was it that that led you to that decision, and when was that? Um, so I moved from 2013 to 20. Uh, I moved home in 2015. 2015 to 2017 was like year zeros, I call it, where mm-hmm. I was working, I was living at home, working for my dad, Apple business, and just saving on money on rent and just putting it all back into the business. And then in 2017, I was. So from 25 to 27, I was at home. And then at 27, I was like, I got to get the hell out of here. <laughs> like, I wasn't dating anymore. I was working. I was like, I'm ready to go uh, to LA. A lot of my buddies lived in LA and I wanted to live in. And I felt like the cuts needed to be in a city. The people I brushed shoulders with need to be in a city. Um, so the I partnered with uh, two other guys from Wenatchee. And then I two of my other buddies from San Diego State. And the five of us, we met in, uh, in LA. Um, and uh, we went from you know, uh, you know, selling a few shirts a day to selling thousands over, over the course of weeks, uh, from 2017 to 2019. Wow. So what was your biggest hurdle then early on? Yeah. We have four or five partners, four partners then? Uh, uh, three partners, three partners. So what was your biggest hurdle early on as a startup? Definitely, uh, having enough money for the demand, uh, we just sold out so frequently um, and we had to get really crafty with how to raise money because in the beginning banks wouldn't give us a line of credit because we weren't around for three years. And then, so I would take out uh, 0% credit cards of like 20 to 40 K sometimes, you know, I was even able to get like ones that were a hundred K and then, you know, we had to rely on our supplier like early on, which not a lot of founders know is you can lean on your suppliers for growth. if, If you can, build trust with them. Mm-hmm. And we just did that out of like pure desperation. We were like, Hey, uh, we only have maybe 200,000, but the POs for 400,000, uh, can you float us the rest and we'll pay you back. And, uh, you know, I, we had to have a lot of confidence in those meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's not a fake it till you make it. Cause I hate that saying, but it's almost like I call it blind faith. Like I had to really just tell the, the suppliers, Hey, we are going to be a one of a kind business one day. You just have to to trust us now. And uh, it was de- so getting over those money hurdles were, were I mean, it, it kept me up at night. And, and that's got to be a tough business. I mean, there's so many apparel business that are out there. And like, the mm-hmm. competition is so thick. I mean, and for you to, to sit there and say, we're going to be different. And I'm sure you know, the manufacturers were like, okay, heard that one about a million times. But there's a confidence in self to, to be on the note on that credit card because you're putting your own name on that credit card. And believe, That's all the money I had too at the time. Yeah, and there's a belief, man. So that, and I'm proud of you for, for taking that that step. A lot of people won't take that step. Mm-hmm. And it's the reason why they 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 stop or they fail. But that was there was something that burned in you and your group that kept on chugging, man. What was it about you guys? Because it can't just be one person. I mean, this decision was you know three other guys as well. 
Definitely. Well, I think for me personally, it was, I was living at home and I was 25 to 27. I was like, I'm not going to be that kid that moved home to start a t-shirt company. And this fails. Like that's embarrassing. I didn't sign up to do that. This is going to work. And I kind of burnt the ships. I was like, this is hella high water. I'm going to make this work. Um, and you know, I had $150,000 to my name. I said, we're putting it, we're putting it all on black and if it, I'm going to go down with it if it doesn't work. But because of that all in aspect, every little dollar spent, I mean, there wasn't a thing I didn't know about the business. And that became the reason why we came mm. successful mm. from the team aspect. Uh, you know, it's funny. We're all one actually guys and uh, that started it. The th- there were three guys and we would go to, it was, we were like the small town kids and the city kids would, would kind of look at us like the, you guys that went to UW with the fancy degrees. We were at a wedding one day and I kind of said, Hey, you, you know, we're, we're all starting this, this business. And, you know, they didn't know it, but we were at like two or $3 million in sales and like our, in our first year, but we, we were quiet about it. And they just laughed us. Oh, you're starting a t-shirt company kids from Wenatchee. We've seen that a hundred people try to do that. Good luck. And we're sitting there like, Oh, we're actually 3 million sales, but you know, mm. And it kind of fueled us. Like we're going to be the one actually kids that, that oh, make yeah, it. Yeah. And uh, the, the other two guys went to school at uh, Washington state and I went to San Diego state. Mm-hmm. And I think the common trade between those was we weren't the smartest kids, but uh, one, we knew how to throw a good party and have fun. <laughs> and we knew consumer behavior. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we were also the ones that with the biggest like chip on our shoulder that weren't given anything. And so that nucleus and, and those guys really believed in me, Carter, you know, he gave me 20,000 in, in the beginning, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it was a lot for him. Mm. Uh, Sean quit his job at Boeing. He was, uh, he had worked, been working there for seven years, I think making like 250. And he was like, I fucking hate this job. Uh, run, let, 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 let's go run it with you. And just the confidence those guys gave to me to run the business. Um, and we just had a massive chip on our shoulder. Like they embodied that same chip that I had. Uh, uh, so, so from the beginning, did, did all three of you share the same passion for this and the same drive and energy? It sounds like, yes, that's the answer is yes. Or was it one of you guys really took the, t- took the torch, the other two kind of came along slowly, or, or how did that dynamic work? So I'm the only founder. I founded and launched the Kickstarter business by myself. And then shortly after Kickstarter, I, needed, I had all these sales. And I was like, Carter, uh, was, I worked out with him at the gym. And he was a, uh, an accountant. Uh, he was a CPA and then he worked as a director of finance at the hospital. And I was like, Hey man, can you help me with this? And so he slowly started working with me. And then Sean Chrisman was working at Boeing and he was a Kickstarter backer. And he reached out to me and was like, Hey, I like what you're doing. I want to quit my job. Is there a way I can just work for free? And the four, the three of us worked for free for up until our business was 10 million in sales. We didn't take a penny wow. uh, of it mm. because our, we have a saying internally, it's called H. HBDB, which means household billion dollar brand. That was the password of all of our, uh, like emails at first. And it's still like a, a rallying cry of the, of the office uh, of, Hey, we're in this to be a billion dollar business, even though we were at 10 million in sales and we probably could have paid ourselves good. We all wanted to work our other jobs so we could put every penny into reinvest into the business. And, uh, uh, that's really how we, 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 got to where we are without taking outside money. So you mentioned when you graduated college, right? The e-com thing was blowing up at any point during this journey of starting cuts. Did you think, okay, Hey, we are going to maybe go the retail route and we are going to go that, or were you like, Hey, no, the future is e-com because I think that's what like the direct to consumer concept that you, that you guys are just all in on, like, that was ahead of its time. And obviously the pandemic showed the value of taking that route. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when, and when actually my dad goes, Hey, like 
it was funny. We started on Facebook ads and we spent four grand and didn't sell a single thing because our website was trash. But uh, my dad was like, well, maybe you need to go to stores. And I go to my dad. I was like, if this is a store business, I'm going to pack it up right now because I do not, <laughs> not want to go door to door. That's not my thing. Like we, we, we sell millions of shirts and we never really see the product. It's more of a business model that I was joining rather than just, I didn't want to do retail. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just the whole retail game is like slow and old and, uh, you know, plus we didn't have the cash for it, you know, Nordstrom's we're still not Nordstrom's to this day. You know, a lot of times they make you, you know, you don't get paid for night for nine months. Um, and that's just a kind of not the cash flow model that we have yeah. adopted here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. T- Tyler mentioned the pandemic, you know, we, we were in the commercial real estate. And so, you know, a lot of our clients grew exponentially during the pandemic. Some, some obviously didn't, but it really accelerated. We saw what ten years worth of ecom oh, growth yeah. in mm-hmm. that one mm-hmm. year in twenty twenty, based Amazing. on the t- pandemic. So, for you guys, how did how did you navigate the pandemic? Did it explode growth? How how did you guys handle that? What what happened to cut during that time? All right, I want to take a quick minute to talk about our partner Choctaw Casino and Resort. Uh, we are really really humbled uh, and grateful to be a partner for them. If you've listened to the show for any amount of time, uh, you've heard how great. The resort is there, how great the casino is, the new expansion. They've doubled in size, 3,000 new slots. They've got unbelievable sports bar. They've got unbelievable restaurants, unbelievable movie theaters, arcades for kids. It is endless, the things that they've not only improved but added. Um, but it's just an the, the experience that they provide is second to none. Choctaw Nation has done an incredible job with the community, with philanthropy, with support. Um, they have just done incredible things. So we are extremely humbled and grateful to partner with Choctaw Casino and Resort. Make sure, I know you know it, but it's just a short drive of 75. Go check them out. And now back to the episode. Well, the, the first two weeks were really scary because we were like, oh, shit, like, here's the end. Um, you know, sales dropped. Uh, we were at like 100K a day of sales and they went all the way down to like 5K. Like no one was buying the last two weeks of March. And then uh, it just kind of shot up from there. Um, and we sold out all of, we, we pretty much sold April, May, and June's PO all in April. Oh, and we didn't have stuff uh, until, you know, until summer. And then we, we, made, we made a ton of buys. We just kept doubling down. We called our supplier and say, whatever fabric, Make, you got to make more fabric and whatever you have, just make all of it. And, uh, we kind of saw the wave coming, like our CPMs are, which is, you know, the amount of people per thousand that are coming, just the cost has dropped so cheap. So we just, and like you mentioned, we knew, uh, digital marketing better than anyone else. So we probably saw the trend uh, about two months before everyone else did. Mm. So, so what about supply chain? How, was there a period where it was hard to get inventory in? Because I mean, it's important to be able to fulfill orders when people make them in the, in the direct to consumer model. And we're still dealing with it now. Like the, the cost to ship, we, we rented like a 747 for black Friday because the wow. ports were so bad, uh-huh. like cost a couple million bucks to fly it over. Mm. Um, but I mean, people don't realize this at the ports, but I mean, most of the businesses operating now are just taking a loss because uh, what uh, to, to uh, ship something it used to be five hundred bucks like per carton. Now it's thirty grand. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And so our bottom line's been uh, hit. But we're, we're more long term view, so we're just trying to get those top line sales 
but a lot of businesses it just wiped out because uh-huh. if your uh, costs go up 30%, that's your margin sometimes. So it's just been uh, a really tough couple of years on sales have been good, but all like the, the pieces of the puzzle have been really yeah. difficult. Yeah, I think that's an important point because, you know, that's something that people don't necessarily realize is, is, you know, with inflation and things like that, our costs are going up as a consumer. But what we don't realize is these companies' prices have increased dramatically yeah. the last few years. Like yeah. you said, it used to be 500 bucks to ship product. Now it's 30 grand. That is a massive amount of money that you're now having to pour back into that you don't get to see the benefit of. Right. And you can't, I mean, just as a loyalty, right, as a, as a manufacturer, as a, as a company to your customers, right? We can pass through some of it. And then you hear us consumers, we're complaining about inflation. It's so, so expensive, but we don't recognize the losses taken on the other side, right? Like this isn't tit for tat as far as inflation. Like we're not passing everything through. We're eating a crap ton of it on that side, just so that we can provide you with a product so we can regain or retain your loyalty. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but like global economics, like I, I knew nothing about like global trade and anything like that, but like the wars and all this stuff, it's like, it's really impacting businesses and it's just causing such headaches. Yeah, mm, yeah, it yeah. absolutely is. It's a, it's a crazy time. So as you look forward, I know we got to wrap up here soon. So as you look forward, wh- where is cut, what you can share, where are you guys investing your time, your energy, your effort going forward? You, you've built a great model. You're growing like crazy. How do you see the next few years going? Where are you putting your energy? We're, uh, so everything we do is always going to be operated within the sport of business and the, and the clothing that, uh, takes to operate that, um, women's is going to be a, a big aspect to it. Mm. Emails are grinders too, uh, that we launched May 24th. Um, nice. and just, you know, we're never going to be a fast fashion business of come out with a million different items. We're just going to try to get better at a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, community is, is so important, you know, athletes, uh, like you guys and connecting with them have been great moats for us and relationship building. And we've, we've really done it in an organic way. Like, you know, like we were talking about with Brandon and just trying to develop uh, genuine relationships. And then, uh, obviously the, the micro ambassadors as well, where we have, you know, 10,000 little micro ambassadors doing, you know, TikToks and things like that for us every day. And so it's really a top down bottoms up approach that we've adopted. Um, and community, is just the, the going to be the number one thing that we focus on uh, moving forward of just being that household billion dollar brand. We got to have a one of a kind community. Yeah, I love that. So it's been you know a, a, gosh, I guess six year ride now. Six going yeah, on six years. Yep. Yeah, going on six years. Uh, and, and again, I know you expected it, but is there any moments in that journey that you're like, I got to pinch myself because like this is real. This is really happening. I think this last year. When, uh, you know, we had significant EBITDA, it was the first time me and Carter were able to take a a good bonus, more or less, uh, but pretty substantial bonus of uh, of our profits. And um, I kind of look over at my dad and uh, I kind of sent him the screenshot and uh, he he was just like his uh, his jaw dropped. And um, it was just it was kind of a cool moment. It was fun. I was walking up in Rodeo with my girlfriend, just like, oh, I feel like buying something, you know, and uh, ended up like only buying like a, a, a Gucci wallet or something. Cause nothing, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was, it was a good moment just to kind of feel like, all right, we're, we're here and it made me want to keep going and yeah. uh, you know, just getting a little taste of that uh, real, like real money was, uh, was really cool. So, okay. So you, let's just say like you've 
arrived and I know your aspirations are much bigger than where you're at right now, but like that moment, right? Like uh, equate it to, you know, uh, a fifth year, a fifth year NFL guy signing his first big deal, right? He signs a, he signs a three year, $30 million deal. He's like, I don't have to do anything else technically. (laughs) And what you see, right. Is you see, you see one of two things or one of three things, but either, okay, Hey, I'm going to coast. And I'm just going to cruise because I'm, I've arrived. And you see that more often than, than you'd like to. Or you see some guys be like, no, 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 this, is, this isn't going to define me. Like, I'm going to continue taking this, and then I'm going to become the Tom Brady's. And I'm going to become oh. the, the Russell Wilson's, the, the Michael Strahan's, the, the, um, uh, the Tyler Klutz. The, the, Tyler the, of the yeah, world. the Rod yeah. Woodson's, the, the, the John <laughs> Lynch's. The- <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, let me ask you guys uh, – when when you you know first got that payday, how did how did you guys handle it? How, like, what was that like like for you? And uh, did it make did did you guys go through a coasting period or did you kind of? Dog, we spent that the next day on wheels. <laughs> they were it was spinners, it was spinners. <laughs> yeah, they're out. No purple uh, robes, yellow shoes. You know what? For, uh, and I'll speak from from myself. I, you know, I, I almost thought I, I dreamt the day that I got paid the big contract. I dreamt that day. And for me, it was more so, you know, how do the dream was, how do I take care of my mom? It wasn't about me so much because I was pretty set. I had an apartment. I mean, I had a little small house. You know, I didn't didn't need for anything. But it was all those moments where I could look back and I could see my mom who was, you know, really flipping cool. a coin to see what bill she was going to pay. That's who I wanted to take care of, man. So I, that was my dream. That was going on in my head. So I, I want to ask you the same thing because you're not done yet, Stephen. So mm-hmm. what are you passionate about? What, what, what wakes you up in the morning and, and, has, and, and is your purpose every day you go to the office? I, my purpose of the office is uh, to inspire those to win and compete in the sport of business. I think too many people, you know, settle for working like a nine to five. And um, I want to be the example to, you know, young kids out there of, uh, you know, you can treat business, you know, if you're an athlete and you, and athletes didn't, or athletics didn't work out for you, you can apply that same mentality to the business with little resources and you can go far with the right mindset. Um, And, you know, we, you know, we've, we've had offers to sell our business and things like that. And, uh, we really want to be like what inspires me one day is to look up and be like a, a Nike or a Lululemon and, mm-hmm. um, and be that, um, and, and, and gain all those experiences that you get with that. And, um, so I, I can't wait. I close my eyes sometimes and, and see a big building a big headquarters with a logo over it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, in stores all over across the U S and I think we're barely just scratching the surface of that. Well, um, when that time comes, you know, the guys that'll help you get that, uh, that new headquarters. My only other thing is I absolutely, it's kind of a, a funny thing is I hate flying uh, commercial and I, a couple of my buddies have gone yeah. private. That's like my next phase is like, oh that, yeah, that, I want to, I, I want to uh, have a PJ on the, on the company. Yeah, card. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I mean, all you yes. got to do is just, yes. what, you know, the, the G5 Love that'll it. get to China, go check out the factory, right? <laughs> just run it through the business. It, uh, when, uh, when you profit like 30 to 40 million, uh-huh. you can, and if your tax bill, I should say is like, like 30, 30 to 40, 40, yeah. 40 million, then you can buy a plane for uh, 10 million and it's a complete write-off. Mm-hmm. So, 
which me and Carter are like, okay, when that day comes, we're come on. That's a great way to look at that. That that is a great way of looking at that. I mean, you you basically have done the numbers in your head, right? (laughs) Understanding when you can get there, but it's on paper too, not just (laughs) But I, I think that's, I think a lot of people get lost in the fact of, you know, it's okay to dream big. Who cares what everybody thinks about you? Like dream big. It's your dream. It's your life. It's your one shot. Uh-huh. Go for totally. it. Totally. I love that. I love that. I mean, uh, you know, when growing up, like listening to Kobe and Michael talk, uh, uh-huh. just kind of like what you just mentioned is, uh, is so important. And I forget there's a saying that goes like, I didn't come this far to just come this far. Yes. Uh, and part of that is me flying on a PJ every, everywhere. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I'm not afraid to say that, that that's a goal because, you know, I work my ass off and if, yep. if that's part of working my ass off, I'm here yeah, for it. That's right. So, uh, let, let me um, ask you, let me ask you this and, and we'll wrap up. Cause again, we would be respectful of your time, but how important is it? Cause you said you want to inspire people in the sport of business, right? But how important is people to your business and leading people and, and guiding them and cultivating those people? It, it's so important. I mean, starting with the two guys that we brought on, uh, Carter and Sean and, and then Brennan and Ethan, the, the two guys from college. Uh, I, it really hit me right when we started. Like, these people quit really well jobs to come start this. So I better not, uh, not make any big mistakes and I better treat their time with mm-hmm. respect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we, we have a, uh, you know, during the pandemic, we were working from home and then uh, our, our office culture just didn't seem right. Like the magic is people in the office communicating with each other. And so we just said, even though LA was crazy and the rules were in, absolutely insane, we said, hey, we're coming in the office right now. And if you want to work here, you're going to come in and and, 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 and kind of sneak through the, <laughs> the crazy <laughs> rules. But, uh, and, you know, it was really cool to see that people wanted to come to work. And, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, culture out there that's like work from home only but i think that's all absolute bs because the magic is when you know people are in the same room and you interrupt someone and then they interrupt you that's how ideas get formed and how magic happens and you got to protect that magic and so people is what make it so that's that's huge to uh, to us we were we're ben and i were talking about this uh the other day just about like beauty right beauty consists of contrast and tension too right contrast think about like a, a picture that is beautiful, right? There's contrast in the colors. There's things that pop. There's things that are different. Like same in the office, right? There's got to be contrast in opinions and 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 processes and and the way people different think about uh, certain things. And then tension, right? Like there sometimes has to be tension to yeah. to vet out some of the crappy ideas that that sound good mm. at first. But there's got to be tension. So, uh, I, man. That's beauty. Like that's the, the, the beauty of being together in an office. And, and I spend most of my time in the office sector, right. And what I do and, and that's what we're hearing. And again, everyone was like, Oh, be home, be safe, be this. And then, you know, there was the idea of, Oh, well, culture is going to suffer, but then people still stayed home because people want to just not be accountable and not be in there and not Mm -hmm. be face to face. But now companies are really truly feeling it because one, they can't keep employees because it's like, it's real easy to send an email to my boss and say, deuces, I got hired, you know, I got 10% more across the street, you know? So there's a beauty. And like you said, being in the office and like, look, we're going to butt heads and we're going to, we're going to discuss this or we're going to agree on this or we're going to, you know, whatever it is, but that's how beauty is made. Mm-hmm. One, one question for you guys is what does sport of business mean to former athletes now working in the business sector? Mm, that's a good one. Uh, look, I, I think a lot of it has to do with humility. 
I really do. I think a lot of athletes, including self, you're so good. You've been so good at tackling people or catching a football. I and mean, you've been coddled for so long. You know, the sport of business to me is, you know, you get done and you make this transition and you have to have humility and, and, and understand that you don't know everything that you're, that you're going to face that's coming up. But damn it, don't, don't, you're going to get knocked on your ass just like you did in football or basketball or whatnot. But get up. And continue to learn. And it's similar to what your story is, man. You just you said earlier, you just kept asking questions. That's exactly what I did in the sport of business. I just kept asking question after question, trying to network, trying to get to know people. And the humility comes in when you actually know that you're not the baddest son of a bitch in the room anymore. Mm-hmm. Yes. These people know more wow. than you. Yeah. yeah. So- that's good. I just think I, I think the sport of business, man, like you you put sport in there, you innately put in competition, right? And I love competing. I love going out and proving myself. And and my story, it took a long time and years and years of just proving myself over and over or trying to prove or failing mm-hmm. and then overcoming. And so the sport of business to me is man, attack every day like like it's your last. Like for me. I, you talked about the payday. I never got a payday, right? I was always league minimum straight through, right? And, and, I, and I hung on long enough that I put a good little career together. And it's like, for me, approaching the sport of business is earning your spot on that roster every single day, showing up every single day That's and competing yeah. every single day. Because here's the deal, and I tell, I tell all these young guys that are, that are on their way transitioning out, the sport of business is a whole lot harder than the sport of football. No matter how hard you thought football was, how much time you thought you put into it, sport of business is way harder. Yeah. 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 No, I, I definitely echo what they say. I think uh, the thing that comes to my mind is playing fast. You know, I think the guys that played quick and fast, they didn't think, they just acted, they went. And that's what I'm trying to learn in this second phase of life in business is quit overthinking, get in there, make mistakes. It's okay, but figure it out along the way. You don't have to have all the answers, just go. And, and step in there and, and get after it. That, that's what I think of when I think of the sport of business. Man, I, I could rewrite my brand book with those answers. <laughs> <laughs> Man, well, we, we got to let you go. Uh, we, we could do this you know, all day forever. Yeah, for sure. Um, I love it. We're, we're definitely going to be your biggest fans yeah. and, and supporters. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Cuts Clothing. Where can people get connected with you more personally? Where can people find just, the Just brand? open up Facebook or Instagram. There you go. They'll find you. There, there we, you go. We, we, we already know the password. So. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. I got to change those. You know, my... Uh, Actually, I'm probably not going to put my email address because I no, can't. Yeah, no, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. We would bleep it out. Instagram and all. I uh, at Stephen Burley on Instagram for me personally. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, this was awesome. I been uh, a uh, fan of your guys's and uh, looking forward to. We uh, we have a Super Bowl party we we throw every mm. year. Last year, this last year in LA was nuts, and yeah. you guys are uh, uh, in uh, Phoenix next year. Yeah, no, is it in yeah. Phoenix? Yeah, hometown oh, right here. We're, we're there then. Yeah. We're at the party. Yeah. Send us invites. Yeah, we'll be there. Yeah. I yeah, love it. It was, a, it was a banger. It was a it was our first real like uh, or we our second one, but our first real. We had a DJ and yeah. we, we it wasn't really like a, a corporate event. We just threw a party and you know had drinks uh, and so we, we're going to get a good headliner next year as well. Oh, because that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah we that's were awesome. out there this year with our partner Sleep Number. We were out there, but we left. What what day did we leave? Friday. Friday. So yeah, before yes. the weekend. So but yeah. next year, yeah, we're definitely Ooh. sticking around. We'll come to the hundred percent. Waste management is the same weekend. It's going to be nuts. Oh, that's going to be oh, insane. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. 
goodness. That is already one of the biggest party weekends yes. start across the board. Start yes. drinking your water now, yes. boys. Oh, man. <laughs> Holy smokes. We're getting a, a booth like for the staff on Thursday at Waste Management yeah. to give them two days of a break before our party on Saturday. Oh, oh, there you go. Right, so let us know. So stay. let's stay in contact because, yeah, yeah. we again, we will be there um, and okay. definitely want to hit the party. Hit yes. both parties, oh. actually. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. we'll, there'll be a lot. We'll cruise around together. It'll be fun. I love it. Awesome. I love it. Well, Steven, thank you so much for your time, man. We appreciate you know you being transparent about your story and journey. I mean, I, I really hope that it, listeners out there are going to be encouraged because, again, it's it, it's not always sexy. It's not always easy. But if you believe in it, that blind faith that you talked about, and you just are committed to it, and you're all in, you burn the boats, it's going gonna, it's gonna to end up on the other side and you're going to be proud of what you put together, man. And tell you what, you have, you have three <laughs> lifelong fans yeah. uh, of you personally and of your brand yep. and t-shirts, man. Holy smokes. Yep. Yeah. Hey, send me those, those extra wide ones with the extra, <laughs> well, the extra belly space. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm is, that, is that a, is that We're a size you. extra yeah. wide? Is that a new yeah. size? Extra wide. Yeah. <laughs> we call it the universal fit. Uh, the universe. There we go. There what we is it the universe? <laughs> what, we don't, we don't body shame anymore. Yeah. So, so yeah. extra wide. <laughs> All right, Stephen. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.